Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with acclaimed jazz singer Libby York. She talked to us about her new 2022 CD called Dreamland. It's her fifth as a leader and producer. She's not the kind of jazz singer that needs vocal pyrotechnics to engage her audience. Whether she is singing a ballad or swinging a standard, her deep connection to the lyrics and subtle improvisations on the melodies convey an intimacy that makes each song feel like she is telling a story about her own life. She remains a favorite with many top jazz musicians. Over her 40-year career, she has recorded and performed around the country and even the world with many jazz luminaries. We get into all of this and so much more. Enjoy the interview. Thank you for taking a minute out. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. Speaking of a new year, you know, you have Dreamland. We all kind of have a new lease on life with the new year. The world's opening up. So before we get into this album, I want to know, how did you survive COVID? How did you get through that time period as an artist? And how does it change the way that you approach your life and your music now? Yes, good question. I I know, uh, you know, the two years of basically no no performances, no clubs open. It was tough. It was really hard, I think, for all performing artists. But the good thing, um, now that we're hopefully on the other side of it, is it really made me more focused on what I want to do with my life and, you know, that music is really important to me. As I wrote in my liner notes for the for the CD, it just gave me kind of a new focus, you know, but, I mean, I sat it out like everybody else and listened to uh, Emmett Cohen's Monday Night live stream on Facebook. And, uh, you know, I think it got us all going on the live stream thing if we hadn't been before. So it, 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 I, I was thinking funny this morning. I went to see Music Man on Broadway. I don't know, this was a few months ago. And as soon as they said, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Winter Garden Theater, Everybody was cheering, and I was kind of sobbing behind my mask. <laughs> you know, just the darkness of no stages open. Uh, it was kind of profound, wasn't it? You know, it's weird. I went to our art museum in Kansas City, the Nelson Atkins, and it's one of the main art museums. And I remember on March 4th, 2020, we may have heard that there was one case of coronavirus in, like, Kansas or Missouri, literally one. And there was kind of this talk, and I'd heard murmurings in Beijing, and no one was out. It was eerie, and I didn't know what was going on. But I knew right. something was coming. So during that show, it was Bill Frizzell, uh, Petra Hayden was there, it was a trio. And I remember taking my wife, and she was like, what's this show going to be like? And I'm like, I have no idea. Like, there's no way I could quantify Bill Frizzell. But I remember right. during that show how we were all like animals before a tornado. We all kind of had this gut instinct and this feeling that something was going to come. And at one point, I remember Petra stood up and the crowd stood up and we started singing in unison, We Shall Overcome. And I always think about that moment prior to everything closing down, how we all kind of knew we were going to get shuttered in for a while, but we didn't know. We didn't know how long it was going to be, you know. And yeah. I, I, I was booked at Mesro in New York City March 20th of 2020. <laughs> so it was right wow. when Spike was trying to keep the clubs open. It was the last gig in the world. I wanted to cancel, but I was in Key West and wasn't crazy about getting on an airplane at that point. And of course, then within a few days, the city shut everything down. So it was decided for us. But uh, yeah, a million, 
a million stories of how we all got through it, you know. Well, but yeah, there is a million, million. Before we get into Dreamland, kind of how you artistically constructed this project, it has to feel good. Does it feel almost like a, a cathartic phoenix kind of thing? What's this moment like for you? Oh, it's wonderful. It's exciting. My last CD was 2014, so it's been quite a while. Uh, we recorded this last September, so September of uh, 2021, I guess. And um, it's funny, the longer I do this, and I've been at it for quite a while now, I keep taking things out rather than putting things in. <laughs> so this is probably my most minimalist recording with just, on a lot of cuts, just guitar, bass, and myself. We have uh, we have drums on it, four cuts. I, I just think I wanted to simplify and just be as soft and as soothing as possible. I love it when people say they like to play my music because it calms them down. I thought, well, that's good. I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, that is wonderful. Well, let's get to the beginnings of your life here. You know, how did these seeds of music and jazz sprout into what, be, what has become a really wonderful career for you? Well, thank you. You know, I started really late in life. I started singing professionally when I was 35. And uh, now I'm in my 70s, so I've been at it a while. But uh, before I pursued uh, music as a career, I, I opened a restaurant in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, the Back Porch Cafe, which is still there, uh, you know, like 40-some years later. Uh, it's kind of the queen of fine dining at the shore in Delaware. I did that for five years, and, you know, I loved cre the creating of it. But the daily grind of running a restaurant is that is tough, you know. So I went from one crazy line of work to another. <laughs> I was already like taking a bus to New York to to uh, be a jazz singer and had sat in with uh, a real good guitarist, Franklin McCare, down here in Key West. And he had a gig in the village and he said, oh, if you ever want to come sit in with me. Well, that's all I had to hear. I had a sublet on the Upper upper West Side and uh, moved to New York for about 15 years. So I feel blessed to have something that I just love to do. Uh, we just played a sold-out concert Monday night, and, you know, it, it's just so much fun and brings so much joy and just the magic of music. It just... Uh, just everything else falls away, you know, and that's all there is, which is a beautiful thing. What is, what is it, Art Blakey said, music washes away the worry of the day, something along those lines? Yes, yes, I just, day. yes, and it's so true, you know, I always feel like the Adams, you know, the first song uh, of the night, suddenly the Adams in the air start to change and, uh, you know, it's just such a, a different uh, zone that you get into. So I think for audience and performers alike, it's, it's just the, thank goodness we have music and we have jazz, you know? Oh, yeah. Amen. Yeah, the, the beauty of jazz is, is that in the magic of it, it's almost like the best kind of love affair. And it all begins somewhere. What was the first live concert for you? What was What was the moment where you knew that, you, you may want to do that someday, or you just love it. Oh, boy. You know, growing up in Chicago, uh, 
uh, somehow I got a hold of June Christie something cool record and a wonderful Chicago guitarist singer Frank Derone which Chicagoans all know Frank Derone he he didn't he wasn't known as well uh nationally and internationally as he should have been um but he and his wife later became friends but they were you know both of those albums uh his first album I think was just called Frank Derone so even in in high school I started listening to to this music and just you know, I always loved it, but it kind of took a while for me to even consider it as a career path, you know. And then my parents both went to Northwestern University. They both played piano and sang. The family story is that that Bob Crosby's Big Noise from Winnetka was written about my dad and his friends hanging out at a place called The Huddle in Evanston because he was from Winnetka. And I'm sure after a few scotches, there was some big noise going on while the band was trying to play. And I think he, my dad had a wonderful voice. I think he even sat in with some of the big bands that came through Northwestern. So, and and they played a lot of Sinatra in the house. And I, I got the the message that, you know, this music was worthy of respect and, and great to listen to and, and my mom had a great sense of fun. We would dance in the kitchen and stuff. And so, yeah, you, I think growing up, you just kind of get the idea that that this kind of music is important, you know. You know, you said you started late in life. What was the gig performance venue that you were at where you thought, this makes sense, this is what I should be doing? Yeah, you know, my early uh, earliest gig in New York, was with an eight-piece big band called Swing Street, and I had answered an ad in the Village Voice, which was how we did it in those days <laughs> at the print newspaper, and uh, they were looking for a vocalist, and I sent in my then cassette tape and and got the gig, and we played all around the five boroughs in Manhattan for dances and, yeah, all around New York City, and I think that I had never really worked with horns like that before. You know, it was four horns and a rhythm section. Uh, Barry Bryson's band, good trumpet player. I guess that's when, you know, I was working steadily in New York. I thought, okay, I guess I'm a singer. <laughs> Takes a while to sing in. So, you know, I, I, I'm curious with the experience you have coming from New York, coming out of a pandemic, what is your sense of how strong jazz is in America? Do you sense a lot of young players? Do you sense a, an increased vigor and vitality that's going on in the community? Absolutely. I mean, I mentioned Emmett Cohen. One of the beautiful things about his live stream, he you know, did it out of his apartment in Harlem, and he would have special guests every week. It was all these younger people that I hadn't heard before, uh, uh, you know, Sorrell A. May, and oh, if I start naming names, I'll, I'll miss some. I guess partly because of all the great uh, university and college jazz programs, there are a lot of good young players and singers out there. So I know we're maybe <laughs> a small part of the musical audience of the world, but we're a very enthusiastic part, and I feel like it's thriving. And Clubs now are packed, you know. I, I feel very optimistic. And some of the great young singers, Samara Joy is just 
a beautiful, just nominated for a Grammy for her new records, and uh, Veronica Swift, and you know a lot of good young singers coming up. So uh, I agree. Yeah. yeah, I I I mean, from what I sense here in Kansas City, you know, we actually have clubs that are opening up, and there's a lot of things that are happening in a very positive way, and. Um, I don't think I've ever asked anybody this question lately that has any diminishing uh, thoughts on things. It's really kind of on the rise, so it's, it's wonderful. Um, I hope Emmett at some point, because I've spoke to him before, I really hope that he understands. I hear that his virtual shows are referenced a lot by a lot of musicians. I hope he understands that. He's done a great service over this time. Um, I think maybe he what, does. I talked to him. Uh, I saw him at Small's in the village not too long ago and and told him, hey, you got me through the pandemic. I think he's heard it, you know. That's just good, good. good thing, yeah. In the most simple way, why do you love jazz? Uh, you know, sometimes I think of Rosemary Clooney's uh, quote, I'm a singer of fine songs who works with jazz musicians. Because <laughs> I'm not a scat singer, but I love to improvise with the phrasing. Uh, I'm definitely... A jazz singer. Uh, I'm not into, you know, cabaret where you do, I think you kind of do the song the, the same way every time. You know, I love the improvisation and um, the longer I do it, the more comfortable on stage I am. The looser I think I'm getting with with musicians and the back and forth and playing with the phrasing. Uh, I just love the spontaneity of it. You know, it's never the same. And on top of that, I adore the lyrics of Johnny Mercer, of uh, all the great songwriters. Uh, you know, the CD has Mercer, uh, Dietz and Schwartz, Jobim, a bunch of great songwriters. I just love that. Uh, their stories, their poems, you know, and I don't approach it with a sense of nostalgia at all. To me, it's it's very current, you know. And I've had the good fortune to just always choose my own repertoire, so I choose songs that resonate with me. And, you know, it's it's poetry. So those are, and then you know the 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 jazz musicians, my friends in New York and Chicago, and some in California. I've never played Kansas City. I'd love to come out there, and even here in Key West. I mean, the as you know, we we have our own kind of sense of humor and. I like the group of us, <laughs> of us musicians. Well, speaking of poetic, I'm going to wax a little here and just try to paint a metaphor. You know, older musicians have a wisdom in a way that's almost like a fine wine. It's been fermented. The point that the grapes have been grown over the years. And I'm curious, what what musicians have had an influence on you that you in turn have an influence? Uh, on, on the younger players that you get around? Mm. Well, gosh, there's a few of them. I mean, Abby Lincoln, for sure, because I was very fortunate to study with her in New York in the 80s. Just who she was and how she conducted herself was an inspiration. You know, a, a lot of it is just kind of being around these people and seeing how they operate in the world, you know, when you're first coming up. It's it's an education. Um, and, of course, Carmen McRae, uh, June Christie. I had a steady gig at Andy's in Chicago last fall, and somebody came up to me and said he closed his eyes and thought he was hearing Anita O'Day. 
And I thought, okay, I'll take it, you know, one of the greats. And even Keely Smith and, of course, Sinatra, you know. Nobody sang these songs better than Sinatra. I, I have a, maybe a little slightly jazzier approach, but I've been listening to uh, Seriously Sinatra on XM Radio, and he just killed it on so many different songs, you know, and the way he imbues the lyrics with meaning. And, yeah, I don't think you get a whole lot better than that. But I, I love the jazzier, you know, the cool school sound of, of O'Day and uh, and June Christie a lot as well. So everyone out there has a perception or an idea of who they think you are, your family, your friends, your fans, but ultimately you live your life, you're in control of it. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? Hmm, that's an interesting question. That requires some thought. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I love my dear friends. I try to be, you know, a a good friend and family member and... uh, somebody who cares about people and tries to keep it simple and not cause any extra problems where there don't need to be problems. <laughs> uh, and I love my, I'm in Key West now. I love my, I bought a house down here years and years ago and I still love being here in the winter. I like to swim every day and, you know, appreciate nature and of course music. So that's a pretty deep question, though, Joe. I'm going to have to give that some more thought. <laughs> you know what's interesting about this question, Libby, is that whenever I ask anybody, no one ever feels like they satisfy the answer. But ultimately, there's not an answer out there that is, like, less than half full or, 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 or whatever, because it's always a work in progress. But I think it's one. And everyone, even if they say, I'm not sure, I'm not there yet, it's uh-huh. still just, it, it's fine because that's that's where you're at. So yeah, um, and I like the feeling that no matter your age, that you're moving forward and stay involved. And you know, I, that's another reason why I'm so grateful to have jazz and have this music. Is that I, I definitely have a lot I still want to do. You know, uh, I, I got to talk with the great Marilyn May who I see was on your roster of interviewees, I believe. Uh, isn't oh, she yeah. from the Kansas City area? Or She she is from here. My engineer, my show, has a, another show called The Neon Beat, and he loves her and always tells me how much Johnny Carson would jump out of his seat when she was on the show and just would always say, that's the way you do it. Absolutely. And I've seen her several times and got to talk talk with her a couple of times, and she said to me, don't reveal your age from the stage till you're 80. <laughs> I thought that was great because it assumes you're still going to be working when you're 80. So, uh, yeah, she, she's wondrous. In fact, as a Christmas gift about three years ago, I got tickets for us to go see her here. And she operates on a pure entertainment level. You do not see shows like that. In between segues, the pianist is playing. She has a great, you know, bedside manner, demeanor. She was wonderful after the show. She is, she's stellar in every every possible way. She's just absolutely great. I, I saw her at 54 Below recently, and, uh, you know, boy, is what is she? she's 90-something. I, I'd hope to be going that long, you know. 
before we get off the phone here, I want everyone to know the best place to either buy your album, pick it up, stream it, any live shows, anything revolving around your world, where's the best place for them to go? Yes, well, right now we're just a few days before the actual release date. Uh, it is up on Bandcamp. People can uh, can download the whole album on Bandcamp. Um, but I think as of January 16th, it'll be on all streaming uh, venues. It's on Origin Records, and they they distribute it pretty wide, wide, widely in this country and in Europe. And I will be playing at Mesro in the Village in New York on March 12th if anybody's in the city then. And I'm at Winter's Jazz Club in Chicago on uh, April 20th. So the next few months will all be CD release events. And uh, uh, I have a fun concert here at the Truman Little White House down in Key West in the in the Truman Living Room and with a wonderful Chicago pianist, Tom Beitzes, is coming down playing Harry Truman's piano. So that will be fun. And, uh, yeah, I just invite everybody to check LibbyYork.com. There's always information and all the gigs, and they're putting up a few uh, samples of the music. And um, it's just, it is really great to have it finally be out, you know. Well, Libby, this has been wonderful. I can just tell by the the vigor in your voice that there is a vitality that's always so refreshing that, uh, that that shines through. So thank you for being open and talking about the new music in your life and jazz. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Joe. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest singers and players in Florida, New York City, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Libby for her time, music, and story. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino or Neon Jazz Interviews on iTunes or Spotify. Visit NeonJazz at YouTube.com and for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the NeonJazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.